Hi, everyone. Thank you for coming back to join me for part two of our episode following uh, Rock Terrio and the Ant Hill Kids, uh, a cult that was uh, uh, in Canada in the 70s and 80s, um, well into the early 90s. Um, when we last left off in the episode, we were talking about um, the death of Samuel, who is a two-year-old in the cult, and then subsequent charges that were filed after a patient, uh, Guy Vier, was able to escape the torment that he was receiving and get help from a nearby village, which then placed everybody in jail. They got multiple charges and different levels of jail time um, with Rock Terrio doing right under two years. And when he was released, the idea was that everyone in the cult should have left. It should have disbanded and there should have been no more cult. But what we see is that isn't the case. He was able to go to prison for almost two years and then come out virtually unscathed. He still had his followers and they thought surely because they had been living in the city in apartments for two years that they would just continue doing that and rock said absolutely not he made these people give up their apartments pack up the things they had and he moved them out into the bush again in february of 1984 um and he basically reset up their cabin-like living quarters that they had prior that had been burnt to the ground by police um this time he was smart in basically making the plot into an actual A-frame house that had parts and places where they could bake bread and make things and grow vegetables and fruits that they were selling. And because they considered themselves a well-oiled machine working much like um, an anthill would, that is how they got the name Anthill Kids. So rock established a new hierarchy for the group and he assigned all of his wives different responsibilities um marseille grenier who was baby samuel's mother obviously because she was an outsider and the one person who just was not believing the shit but willing to stay there with her husband she got obviously the 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 short end of the stick here she got really kind of tormented and antagonized by terrio and basically, when we left off, he had forbade her husband, Jacquise, and her from sleeping together and was even trying to get Jacquise to beat her if she talked back and saying that she was had a birthmark that looked like the mark of the beast and all of these other things, basically trying to alienate her from her own husband. Now, keep in mind that he is doing all of this to this woman and she has not left the group, even though he let a... Uh, a gentleman who was mentally unstable watch her child and endanger him to the point that he was beaten about the head. She let Rock Terrio do a crude circumcision on, on her child and essentially use so much anesthesia in the form of ethanol that he probably got alcohol poisoning and died. They all went to prison and then when they get out of prison, they go back and keep in mind that he also had her husband, Jacquise, who she at this point is still standing by, cut off one of her pinky toes in penance for her insolence. So as we can see, Rock's 
hold and captivation over these people has not waned in any of the two years that he was away from them in prison. And in fact, they moved themselves into the city of Quebec so that they would be closer to him and be able to have their visits and calls and be able to keep up with his orders. So what we are going to do in this part two episode is discuss really what happens when this cult-like behavior and this idea of, of him being the Messiah and Moses devolves into something much darker. We've already seen three deaths at this point. Baby Samuel, um, Gabrielle, who had multiple sclerosis, whose death was deemed natural, and then the other lady, Miss Marchin, from the very beginning of the other of our first episode who was suffering from leukemia, but decided to do the natural treatments that her husband, um, who was convinced by rock to pull her out of the hospital suggested, which consisted of grapefruit, like no, it was grape juice and basically like nuts and berries and like a healthy diet, which would be great if she did not have cancer. And this ultimately caused her death as well. So at this point, Rock is ultimately directly or indirectly responsible for three deaths. And that is where we are going to pick up part two of this episode. So thank you for coming back and joining in with me. And part one is available for you to listen to now if you have not listened to it. And then you can come back here and catch up with us. Hope to see you. Um, and if you have listened to part one and you're ready, let's dig in to part two, where we're going to discuss some of the torture that these people had inflicted upon them, as well as really the end and the downfall of the Ant Hill Kids cult. You are listening to Murder V Wrote. And as always, I'm your host, V. We are back with the Ant Hill Kids and Rock Terrio, and they are in Victoria County. Um, at this point, Rock has begun to drink again heavily. He's starting to abuse these people and make them turn against each other. Uh, sometimes he would beat or whip his followers. Sometimes he would strike them with the broadside of an axe or a hammer. They were forbidden to go to the hospital. Sometimes he would urinate on them or force them to perform sex acts on one another or smear themselves with each other's feces. So this is clearly starting to ramp up and getting completely out of hand. And one occasion he slashed uh, Jacques uh, Guillargue's jugular with a broken wine glass. And he also ordered Jacques to be circumcised with his whole glands removed. All of this had a cathartic effect on his followers. He had punished them for their sins and now they were purified as a result. And Rock would always weep the next day after all the alcohol had left his system and he was sober again and he would beg God, his master, to stop using him as a vehicle for God's cruel justice. On January 26, 1985, somewhere shortly after 9 a.m., Gabrielle put her five-month-old baby Rock's son, uh, Elazar, in a wheelbarrow. It was snowing and the temperature was negative 10 degrees Celsius, which is like 14 degrees Fahrenheit. So almost freezing. Uh, and by 1045 a.m., the baby was dead. 
Rock had hated the child and said that he bore the mark of the devil and he had often beaten the baby. Gabrielle thought that this would be an act of mercy for the infant. The county coroner, the county coroner, Al Lackey, a friend of Terrio, claimed that it had been sudden infant death syndrome. The county children's aid society began to watch the commune like hawks. So I just want to stop here because I, I really am shocked at the level of depravity here. This woman has a baby who is five months old and because the baby's father hated the baby so much and was beating and abusing a five-month-old she thought that it was okay to commit a mercy killing by leaving the baby outside in a wheelbarrow in freezing temperatures so that he froze to death and she considered that a way a mercy killing for an, a five-month-old baby and the fact that the county coroner looked at all of this and because he was friends with Terrio or felt that whatever God's mission is or whatever he was doing was so important that he lied about a baby freezing to death and said that it was SIDS. After a year of having been forbidden to have relations with her husband, Jacques, uh, Marseille Grenier, who was the only adult woman of the group that Terrio hadn't taken as his own wife because she, again, was not having that shit, was finally permitted to leave the group with two of her three surviving children, her two-year-old and her infant. The only condition was that she leave her eldest daughter, um, the daughter that she had had with her before the days in the cult and was now nearing puberty, remain behind because she was destined to become one of ne next one of uh, Rock's wives. Marseille pretty much hot-footed it out of the cult uh, before, you know, she could think about it. But after months of learning how to function in the real world, after having spent eight years under Terrio's rule, she decided that she needed to pursue legal action to get custody of her remaining daughter from the cult. Part of this legal action involved testifying on the conditions under which the children of the compound lived. This was all that was needed for the Children's Aid Society to sweep in and take the kids to foster homes. In their new environments, however, the children started exhibiting disturbing behaviors which indicated that they had been abused while they were at the compound. And as the children were asked about the conditions in the commune, more and more horrifying details were revealed. It comes out that Rock had separated the children of the compound into two groups, his own, the chosen children, who enjoyed a privileged position in the commune, and those who were not his own, particularly the children of Marseille Grenier, as well as young Simon Oyet, who he had circumcised and, and drugged to death with ethanol alcohol, all of whom were regarded as animals and slaves. Rock saw to the care of his own children and the mentally handicapped or mentally deficient um guy vier had been taken on to look after um Marse uh, marseille grenier's children so her children crawled around like animals and were severely malnourished and the adults and the children alike were for the most part forbidden from speaking to this woman's children uh, Marseille later said that she actually would have preferred that uh, Guy Vierre look after her children over Rock because of the way he treated them. 
although rock considered his children to be the children of god and the next generation of his religious following their situation was utterly wretched only he was permitted to express any warmth whatsoever towards the children sometimes he would hold two women's children over a fire and threaten to throw one of them in he loved watching his wives beg for their own children's lives to be spared he would also nail children to the trees by their clothes and tell the other children to stone them or knife them only to call them off at the last minute again playing god to the children's abraham and isaac some children had mouths full of rotting teeth some would randomly scream or rock or chant or bang on things the children had chores around the commune such as hand washing the adult women's sanitary napkins they were deprived of sleep of food and of hygiene the children were also deprived of education except rock's own brand of religious education and sex education terio told the children that god lived underground because flowers grew up from the ground and that god sometimes demanded blood sacrifice as when in a secret ritual held just for the kids a naked terio disemboweled a goat that one of his daughters had hand raised bathed himself in its blood and arise from a pit with much pomp and circumstance. There were reports of chanting rituals and upside down crosses. The children were also able to go into great detail about group sex rites, which were held in the cabin, which involved the whole quote unquote family. Terry and his teenage son, Rock Jr. also sexually molested and sometimes raped the children. Rock Sr. would sometimes have the children masturbate him or watch as members of the group masturbated one another or themselves, believing this to be the proper method of sexual instruction. But the court ordered an independent assessment, and that team, including Dr. Rael Hunyalt and Dr. Marti Milofovich, recommended that the children be returned to Burnt River and to the care of the commune immediately. In their 300-page report, they celebrated Therio's Terio's pioneering spirit and experimental attitude regarding sexual education. They accused the government of trying to persecute the group and trying to force them to disband by withholding welfare, a gross infraction as their rights as citizens. The CAS also launched its own report of which Terio seemed to have intimate knowledge right from the start. Rock was sweet talking everyone who came to assess his dominion. So it seems that he was paying these people off or had them in his pockets because at this point he's had a, a county coroner sign off and say that a baby that was left in the elements and froze to death died from SIDS. And now after a woman tries to get her children released from the commune and get custody of her daughter back and goes and reports the way that these children are being treated to services, an independent psychologist, two independent psychologists who are doctors come in and decide basically that they are perfectly fine with child molestation and, and rape that is clearly against the law and for some reason are willing to stand behind Rock Terrio in this when they are abusing and sexually abusing and mistreating these children. And it, it is just insane to me. And in the end, on October 26th, after all of this is done in 1987, the court ruled that the children be made wards of the crown. There would be no parental access as the court believed that the Terrio could be manipulative, manipulative and pose a significant risk of molestation and exploitation. 
the 83-page court ruling also suggested that the testimonies of both doctors and the sympathetic CSA agents, Francophones all, were more the result of cultural prejudice of sympathy for any French-speaking community in a predominantly English environment than of ob objectivity or concern for the welfare of the children in the group. But there still wasn't enough evidence to press further criminal charges against Terrier. Even Marseille Grenier wasn't willing to testify against him. This is when Terrier began networking. He discovered the Mormon fundamentalist movement, and this is how he met up with the forensic psychiatrist and LDS branch president, Dr. Jess Grosbeck. In addition to dealing with cases of altered consciousness and disassociative disorders, he was drawn to shamanism and with a history of polygamy. He and Terrio, polygamist and self-proclaimed healer, became good friends. Rock also hooked up with polygamist Alex Joseph of Big Water, Utah, though Joseph didn't much like Rock's attitude. During this time, Rock who was also charged with obstruction of justice that occurred in connection with an incident in which he and his followers were harassing the daughter of one of Rock's, foster, Rock's children's foster parents. He also assaulted one of his neighbors, a canoe builder named Jean-Marc Martin, with whom Rock had previously had friendly dealings. He also got into some trouble with the police during his trip to Utah, which resulted in a $75 fine and a pair of soiled trousers. Um, I will take a minute to say that what is also interesting and certainly speaks to the level of indoctrination that these women were experiencing when their children were taken away from them by CAS. Originally, CAS offered them a way out and were willing to reunite them with their mothers. They told them, hey, we will let you have your children back if you are willing to leave walk and the compound and the commune and go live a regular life. I will, we will give you your kids back. If you leave the cult right now, you can have your children back. And all of these women chose to let their kids become wards of the state rather than leave the anthill kids and leave Rock Terrio behind. Rock's home life was falling apart I guess, too, it only took a few beers to get him drunk and talking about how he was the master of life and death, the good and bad creator. One day he became enraged at Claude Oyette for some reason no one remembers and ordered him to walk around with an elastic band wrapped tightly around his scrotum. Claude kept it on overnight, which caused irreparable damage to his testicles, which of course prompted Terrio to operate on them. He used a razor blade to cut Claude's scrotum open and plucked out an infected testicle with his fingers, then cauterized the wound with a hot piece of iron. Then he held a vote to determine whether Claude should be stoned to death for offending God. When that motion was defeated, Rock took up an acetylene torch and threatened to open Claude's stomach with it. Claude managed to escape into the woods where he stayed in until Terrio was sober once again. In fact, retreating into the woods for a couple of days became a common tactic for Claude, Gabrielle, Giselle, and the others. Giselle, in particular, would sometimes retreat to her father's house for a few days until Rock would call and ultimately convince her to come back to her quote-unquote real family. He would then treat her nicely for a few days, but invariably she would be pushed for running away or punished and for bringing him dishonor. One night in February of 1987, 
walked through a hunting knife at Giselle, creating a wound three inches deep in her thigh, which immediately began gushing blood. Terrio's response was to go and get another beer and go to sleep. When he awoke two hours later, a clot had formed in Giselle's leg, which had swollen. Rock again decided to operate, pressing the leg to cause the wound to reopen and probing it with a red hot iron file and pouring cup after cup of boiling water on the leg. A week later, the wound was infected. Rock decided to fill the wound with salt, olive oil, and spruce gum. After her leg healed a bit, she tried to escape again, but a few days later, she went back to Rock. She had to stay with her husband after all. It was her role in God's plan. He once passed the acetylene torch over Josie's back until his skin bubbled. He also passed it over Nicole's tummy the day after she gave birth. He hit Jacques in the head with a blunt axe and broke his ribs with a wooden club. He punched his firstborn son, Rock Jr., in the face when he refused to wrestle with his younger brother, Francois. He beat Nicole, who was three months pregnant at the time, causing her to miscarry. On another occasion, he shot a 33 caliber bullet through her shoulder. He broke Giselle's ribs with steel-toed boots that he had on. He methodically sprained Claude's toes, and another time he used a piece of broken glass to slice Claude's arm open. He even pulled 11 of Claude's teeth with a pair of pliers when there was nothing wrong with his teeth. He had one of his wives break Claude's legs with a sledgehammer. He squeezed Gabrielle and Giselle's nipples with vice grips until they bled. He hogtied Claude and suspended him from the ceiling for an hour. He ordered his wives to pluck the man's pubic hair bald by hand. He then poured boiling water on Claude. Another time, he made him sit down on a lit stove. He beat one of his horses to death with a chain and then ordered Claude to burn the horse's body. He would make his followers eat excrement and dead mice. He punched Solange in the back, knocking her out. He shot a 22 at Claude. He had Jacquees pound on Gabrielle's thigh with a sledgehammer. He squeezed Gabrielle's hand in a vice. He whipped Gabrielle in the eye with his belt. He stuck a hypodermic needle in her back with an unknown concoction in it and twisted it so the tip broke off under her skin. He burned Gabrielle's breast and genitals with a torch. He had Jacquees cut off half of Gabrielle's left pinky finger with a pair of wire cutters. He broke Gabrielle's fingers with a board. He made her cut a hole in the ice on a pond and jump into the freezing water. He threw a knife at Francine and at Maurice. He broke Solange's cheekbone when she was six months pregnant. At one point, Gabrielle's uterus prolapsed. And after a hard day of working, the organ actually protruded three inches outside of her vagina. Rock attempted to fix this himself, punching the uterus back inside of Gabrielle's body and fashioning a wooden cone and a truss to plug everything up. Although Gabrielle fled to a women's shelter, she returned to the compound the next day instead of seeing a doctor. Rock's next treatment was to tie a piece of string around the exposed portion of her uterus and yank it out like a loose tooth. It's a whole year before Gabrielle would have the opportunity to get a partial hysterectomy at the Ross Memorial Hospital in Lindsay when Rock was on his first trip to Utah. This poor woman's uterus was 
falling out of her body. And instead of her going to the hospital, she decides that it is more important for her to go back to rock her Messiah and let him shove the organs back into her and hope that nothing goes wrong for a year before she finally is forced to go get a partial hysterectomy while he's out of the country in Utah. And at the end, they always held Terrio blameless for all of this. And you can see this in a letter that Solange Boyard wrote to him. And I, it reads, and I quote, Good day, Moses, my master. I would have liked to talk to you yesterday evening, but I think it is preferable to write these things down rather than saying them for fear of talking too much. I am going to talk to you about the last bit of anger that your master exercised through you. I really believe that you that you did doesn't that it does not come from you but from someone much higher for my part i really believe that you are possessed by a very powerful spirit that's what i saw in you with what you did the throwing of the knife the rifle shot the harm done to mommy my eyes saw things that went beyond them my body is very afraid of all of these things I understand it very well because the law of the death in which it exists, but within myself, I am well. I am very well and very happy to belong to a real master who himself belongs to the only real master of life. Love, Rachel, or Solange Boyard. Rachel is the name that Moses or Rock Terrio gave her because they all got Old Testament names, as we talked about earlier in the episode. In the fall of 1988, Solange had begun to feel ill. Terrio convinced her that there was something wrong with her liver and that there would need to be an operation. One afternoon, he got exceedingly drunk. He started strangling the women, asking if they knew that their breath belonged to him. Then he decided to put on his jewelry. Then he turned to Solange and said, Rachel, are you ready? I'm going to treat you tonight. Leading them to the bakery, he cleared off the table and Solange undressed herself and lay down. Rock roughly tried to insert an enema tube into Solange's rectum. The enema fluid was a mixture of molasses, oil, and water. He spent half an hour trying to get this done and encouraged her not to be embarrassed about losing control of her bodily functions. He started pressing and punching Solange's stomach. When she put her hands up to fend him off, Rock simply told her to move her hands and she did. He then inserted a tube down her throat and told everyone else to blow and suck on the tube. Taking a knife, Rock made a five-inch vertical incision on Solange's right side below the ribs. Then he pulled out a strip of tissue about four inches long and a quarter of an inch thick and tore it off, telling her, there, you're going to be all right. Then he had someone else sew her wound closed and Solange got up. Everyone went back to the cabin and Rock ordered a warm bath with her filled with cherry. This made her feel worse. Then Rock gave her a cold bath. When she went back to her bed, blood started coming out of her mouth and she died. The doctors later said that she had died of acute perinitis, an inflammation of the perineum caused by digestive fluids leaking into the abdominal cavity, and it was fatal. At first, Rock was distraught and tried killing himself in a number of ways. He tried to get Jacques Gary to shoot him. Then he tried to overdose on Tylenol, extraction tablets, and finally he tried to drown himself. But then according to the letter Terrier wrote to the spirit of the deceased, a strange force entered my arms and tore the bindings from me. 
I came out of the water yelling, God doesn't want me to die. After sending Jacquees to fetch Giselle from her parents' house, he made a call to Dr. Jess Grosbeck. Traveling to Utah on October 16, 1988, Terrio told Dr. Grosbeck that Solange had died suddenly in the woods from a spontaneously erupted vein in her esophagus. Dr. Grosbeck assured Terrio there was nothing that he could have done to save her, but Terrio informed Grosbeck that God had named Grosbeck as Terrio's guide. He then explained that he had been having strange dreams in which Solange was inside of Terrio's body, dreams in which Solange takes shape from Rock's split semen. Terrio and Grosbeck convinced themselves that Solange was to be the first reverse birth, a spiritual reverse through the belly of male to parallel the carnal rebirth through the womb of the female. Rock became convinced that he was pregnant with his deceased wife, Solange. Terrio convinced Alex Joseph to perform his post-mortem marriage by proxy for himself and Solange to make official what he had only recognized for himself, the marriage between Moses and Rachel. And Joseph even threw an ordination for Terrio, which made Terrio as king over Lot 4, Concession 5. He then returned to Ontario and after a couple of days ordered Claude to exhume Solange's body. He had Gabrielle open Solange's body and pour vinegar on her internal organs to keep worms away. Then they buried her again. But a few days later, he had them dig her up again because her body had begun to decay and Terrio had big plans. He got Jacques to make a hole in Solange's skull with a hand drill. Then he masturbated into the hole, spilling his semen into Solange's rotting brain, convinced that he would be able to resuscitate her. Giselle told Terrio that Solange's wish had been to be cremated, and Rock agreed to have the group burn Solange's body. Before the cremation, he had Gabrielle remove one of Solange's ribs, which he then kept in a leather wrapping to carry around with him. After the cremation, everyone took some of the bones to keep. Rock collected some fragments and put them in a jar with olive oil as a preservative. He would regularly masturbate into the jar in his sanctuary and in his bedroom and attempt to bring Solange back through reverse rebirth. Terrio would make another visit to Utah, this time to entrust his next baby by Francine to, Joseph Gros to Joseph's care so that it wouldn't be taken by CAS. But during that visit, Joseph and Terrio had an argument apparently over the way Terrio treated his wives. Joseph successfully stood up to Rock, and this made an impression on Rock's wives, some, someone who had stood up to Moses in triumph. Terrio was not all-powerful. This, however, only motivated Rock to be even more despotic in order to keep control of his family. This wasn't entirely successful, however, and Josiah Peltier left Rock for good in the winter of 88-89. However, Rock did succeed in concealing the birth of two more children, as well as hiding all knowledge of Solange's death from her family and from the police. July 26, 1989, Rock got drunk once again. This was not unusual, and Giselle, Claude, Francine, and Maurice all managed to sneak away into the bush to hide. Gabrielle, however, did not. Terrio remembered that Gabrielle had a stiff pinky finger, the one that he hadn't already cut off with the wire cutters. And he stabbed her hand. Instead of looking at the finger, he told her to put her hand on the kitchen table. He stabbed her hand with a hunting knife, pinning her to the table. 
Blood began to pour out of Gabrielle's hand, but Rock just went to get another beer. Gabrielle forced herself to remain conscious, and after 45 minutes, Rock came back over to see that Gabrielle's whole arm had turned blue. It's not looking so good, is it? He said, and fetched a carpet knife. He began whittling her arm away halfway between the elbow and the shoulder. He whittled it all the way down to the bone. Too drunk to finish, he called Chantel over to finish the job for him. She cleared away a narrow band of exposed bone that went all the way down around Gabrielle's arm. Then, Rock dislodged the hunting knife from which he had pinned Gabrielle's hand to the table and took her over to a stump that was sticking out of the kitchen floor. Taking a dull meat cleaver, Terrio swung at the exposed bone. His first swing missed. His second swing amputated Gabrielle Lavallee's arm completely off. Gabrielle hadn't cried out the whole time. The next day, she went to a women's shelter but returned to the compound on prompting from Jacques. A couple of days later, Terrio decided that Gabrielle's stump was gangrenous and so he used a pair of scissors to cut out the infection. He also cut a chunk from her breast, then whacked her on the head with the side of an axe. She fled into the bush, and when she came to her senses two days later, she found that insects had laid eggs in her head wound. She then returned to the cabin, only to find that Terrio was still drunk and itching to operate. Jacquees had used the acetylene torch to cut off a piece of the drive shaft for one of the old junk cars they had in the yard. Rock heated this metal until it was red hot and pressed it against Gabrielle's stump. He was so drunk that he kept dropping it on Gabrielle's body before he finally finished. Gabrielle escaped, and on August 16, 1989, she made it to the hospital and concocted some story to explain the missing arm. But the police were called, and the constable filed charge, a charge of aggravated assault against Rock Terrio. But when they went to issue the warrant for his arrest, they found the compound deserted. Rock Terrio, Jacques Giagar, Chantel Labrie, Nicole Ruel, together with the two youngest babies, had fled to Quebec. The others had gone home to their families, Rock's spell finally broken. It took the police six weeks to find Terrio, and it was not until October 6, 1989, that Giselle decided to tell anybody about Solange's death. Unbeknownst to Giselle, the very day that Rock was apprehended by the police, at last, everyone pleaded guilty to all the charges laid out against them relating to Gabrielle's amputation. Rock netted 12 years, later reduced to 10 years because of his quote-unquote genuine remorse and concern for the victim, in the words of the court. Jaquees, five years, Chantel, two years less one day, and Nicole, 18 months. The police also pressed charges against Rock for first-degree murder, but when the court found there was ev insufficient evidence that the murder had been premeditated, Terry was committed to a trial for second-degree murder. Rock's lawyers made a deal that he would plead guilty to this charge if no further charges were brought against him. On January 18, 1993, Rock Terrio was sentenced to life in prison for the death of Solange Boyer. He was eligible for parole in 1999, but did not receive it. Francine 
Chantel and Nicole, Hoga, Ruth, and Deborah, respectively, remained loyal to Rock, even though he was convicted and put in jail. The others have tried to adapt to a new life without him. Um, many of his children, and many say that there are somewhere over 20, all born from the women who were considered his concubines in the cult, are distributed among foster homes across the continent, including a 12-year-old boy who lives in Utah with Alex Joseph. On February 26, 2011, 63-year-old Terrio was found dead in his cell in Dorchester Penitentiary. His death is believed to be the result of an altercation with his cellmate, Matthew Gerard McDonald, a 60-year-old convicted murderer from Port-au-Port, Newfoundland, and Labrador who was charged with the killing. McDonald pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison after already been serving a life sentence for a previous murder charge. McDonald stabbed Terry on the neck with a shiv, walked to the guard station, and handed them the weapon and proudly proclaimed, that piece of shit is down on the range. Here's the knife. I've sliced him up. So that is what I would consider a fitting end to the story of Rock Terrio and the Ant Hill kids. So thank you for bearing with me. This was a very, very, very long story to go into. And with these types of things, there's so much backstory about how all these people come together. And I think it was important to talk about the torture and the way these people were treated and the way that there were so many systems in place that should have been able to help these people get away from him, but the systems failed them. There were people who were doctors and psychiatrists who should have seen the signs and were so blinded by whatever charisma or star power that they felt like Rock Terrio had that they simply did not believe vulnerable women and children who should have been at their behest and people that they should have been trying to protect. And I find this incredibly interesting because with most of the stories that we talk about on the show, we talk about people that are on the margins or on the fringe, um, the most vulnerable populations. And very often we are talking about women and children and not only women, but women of color or people that are, are sex workers. So I think it's very interesting that even when we are talking about people that are not necessarily on the fringes of society in the way that we generally look at it, such as sex workers, that those people are still marginalized. These children had parents and people that were supposed to be looking at them, and yet they were still able to be victimized, even though there was a system in place that should have prevented it from happening. So I just want to shake it off and not think about torture and the anthill kids now that we've gotten through that. Um, and that one was tough. Certainly, if you uh, would like to learn more, there are many documentaries out there regarding the anthill kids and Rock Terrio, but there is also a movie I referenced in the first part of this called Savage Messiah that stars Jean-Luc Picard. If you're like me and you're a Picard fan, then you definitely can check that out. 
And again, there is a book called Savage Messiah. It is difficult to get your hands on and it costs a pretty penny. If somebody comes across a copy that is reasonably priced of Savage Messiah, I would love to get my hands on it and read it and have it. So please send me a link or message me and let me know if you are able to find that. Um, so we've come to the end of the show. I don't have a lot to plug right now. Um, I did record a new episode of Chopping It Up with Q with Q um, over this past weekend. That should be out on Tuesday when you are listening to this show. So you can check that out anywhere you check out Dope Podcast, as well as a new episode of all docked up. We covered the Bob Ross documentary that is on Netflix this week, and you can also check that out as well. I don't think there's anything else I really need to plug. You guys are here with me. Um, shout out to all of you who have October birthdays. If they have passed, if they have not passed, I hope you are doing something safe. I hope you are doing something fun. I hope you are celebrating with your friends and family. Just ask that you all are staying healthy and safe and well. Um, and if you want to tell me about something amazing that you've done, I would love to hear it. I would love to start wishing you all a happy birthday. So let me know when your birthday is so I can give you a shout out on the podcast. I love hearing about you celebrating things like another trip around the sun because that is amazing. Especially when we talk about so much death on this show and so many people who did not get to have another trip around the sun. Again, if you would like to reach out to me and talk about things we've talked about on the show, if you have suggestions for things you would like to hear me cover, um, if you would like to be on the show to talk murder with me, you can do that as well. We can talk about MLMs. We can talk about heist. I'm not really particular that they are murders, even though the show is called Murder V. Wrote. So if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email me. The show's email is murdervwrotepod at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach out to me via Twitter or Instagram DMs or messages. Um, the show's Twitter and Instagram are both at MurderVPod. That is Murder, V-E-E, pod. You can reach me there. I'm always excited to talk about all things true crime with you. And if you'd like to reach out to me on my personal, my Twitter is at VJ underscore Burton and my Instagram is the same. So I look forward to connecting with you and having us talk about more things that are exciting and interesting stories that we've heard and true crime. I do not have a podcast spotlight this week um, that I'm going to plug in the show, but I will tweet about something that I have listened to. I've been super, super, super swamped with school and work. So I have not listened to anything particularly great this week. Um, the same old stuff, but nothing that I haven't already spotlighted. So bear with me. Um, I will probably tweet and post in the show notes about whatever it is that I decide will make the podcast spotlight if there is one. Um, if not, then I will try to make sure that I have two for the next week so that we can make up for it and I can get you some really cool things to listen to and be into because there are some great indie podcasts out there. There are some great people doing some great work on this type of podcast and I would really like to highlight them. So I think that is what I will do. We're going to talk about two podcasts that are doing similar true crime that are Black people and you're going to really enjoy them. So I will make sure that those get in the show notes for the next episode. 
So thank you again for tuning in for this very long two-parter on Ant Hill Kids and Rock Terrio. I hope that you enjoyed it. We will try to do another cult one next month because they take so long to research and talk about. Maybe one a month and just kind of back to the regular one-part episodes just to kind of keep everything uh, smooth and coherent and try to make sure that I'm putting out episodes weekly for you guys. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all your support. Um, if you are listening on Apple podcast, don't forget to write, uh, to, I'm sorry, to rate and, um, like, and subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what you would more like to hear more of. Um, and I would love to give that to you. So again, it's just important if you could give me a review and leave me five stars. I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening and allowing me to do something that I love very, 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 very much. Again, you are listening to Murder V Wrote and I am your host V. Thank you for listening.